Hey guys, and welcome back to the You Know The Drill podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Faris, and my mate, Robbie, two third-year dental students producing content for all your dental needs. Whether you're a dental student or applicant, if you want to learn more about the reality of dentistry, this is the podcast for you. If you want to keep up to date with all our episodes, follow our podcast on your platform, and check out our Instagram at You Know The Drill Podcast. Thank you. So, today we are joined by Dr. Rafiq Habesh, the principal dentist and practice owner of two practices in southwest London. Today, Dr. Rafiq will be giving us an insight with regards to what it is like running your own dental practice. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rafiq. We're excited to have you on today. I'm very excited as well. Thank yes. you very much, guys, for having me. Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming on. We've, we've found nowadays that, you know, getting a grasp of all these interesting dentists is so hard because you guys are always so busy. But we're really, really excited to, to have this episode, and I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited too. Mm. Great. Um. So, Dr. Rafiq, we'll start off. Tell us a tiny bit about yourself. Like, if you were going to summarize yourself to the world, what would you say? Um, right, it's just um, uh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a dentist, general dentist. I've got a family, three kids. Uh, I originally come from Egypt. I came mm-hmm. to England about 2003, so that's about 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, started off with all my exams, as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, it was called the... Uh, IQE exams, uh, finished off the exams, and then I started off in a, in a mixed practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very lucky because the practice that I worked in uh, had brilliant uh, uh, dentists working, and it had a brilliant uh, principal. Uh, we're still friends till now, actually. Oh. Uh, and then I would say... While I was progressing with my career, I thought uh, I want to just get my own practice as well. So mm. and that's what just got me into the business of just owning dental practices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's more or less about nice. me. Yeah. We love that. So it's interesting you mentioned that because you said you came from abroad, you, you know, worked in a mixed practice mm. and quite, quite early on, you seem to establish that you want to open a practice yourself. So what, what really gave you that drive to want to open a practice? Yeah, it's... Uh, you see, because where I come from, I come from Egypt, uh, there is no concepts of having an associate. It's it's only mm. you finish off your dental school and then you've got your own practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, you might be just working with another dentist for a year or two, yeah. but uh, most of the dentists, they just open their own dental practices. Uh, yeah. So I, I had this sort of mentality from, from day one. Uh, although that I started working in a dental practice, uh, I still I wanted to have my own place that I just want to implement everything that I've learned and I just uh, all the ideas. Although that I, I have to say, as I said, the practice that I used to work in, the principal she was fantastic. Any mm. new idea I would come up with, uh, she would implement it. Uh, anything that I would ask for, uh, doesn't matter if it's expensive. Mm. She knows that she, I'm going to be using it wisely, and she knows that it's uh, it's it's quite useful for the patient. Uh, so yeah, she actually, uh, she was, she was very supportive, but again, I, I still wanted my own place. Um, I still wanted my own place that I, uh, would sort of, as I said, implement all the, uh, all my ideas and philosophy in, in, uh, in treating patients. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's the main thing. It was nothing other than, other than that is just to me having my own space having my own time. I don't want anyone to tell me, right, okay, you need to be working here. Mm-hmm. You need to be doing these days. I just need to be sort of flexible. 
working the days that I want. Um, some weeks working five days a week, other weeks working three days a week, other weeks working six days a week. Yeah. So I, I just needed this sort of flexibility. Yeah. So I guess it gives you like your own creativity um, and also you get to be your own boss. So those are the main takeaway points. Yeah, but uh, this is this is from the outside. But actually, when you open a dental practice, you find out that it's completely different from that. You're not you're not you're not the own boss because there's lots of things that you need to be looking after. Uh, so it's not like being an associate. You just go on holiday and you forgot about the practice, and that's it. You come back and see your patients. Uh, even any time off that I'm taking, I'm still looking after my patients. Uh, by emails, I'm still looking after the business. Um, they're sending me emails. They're calling me regarding any problems they have. Uh, so yeah, from outside, I wanted to be my own boss. But when you are in a practice and it's your own practice, it's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I guess that kind of leads on to the next question. So, how do you actually start the process of buying a practice for anyone that might be, you know, listening or interested? How would how do you actually start the whole process? Right. Okay. Uh, first, I, I would I always say planning is the most important thing. You mm-hmm. need to plan it properly. You need to make sure that this is the thing that you really want to do. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing it for financial gains only, it's not going to succeed. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's the main thing I want to stress on. Right. You need to have the idea of what practice you want to be in. Because uh, is it a, a completely NHS practice, a mixed practice, a completely private practice? Yeah. Um, there is nothing wrong in any of these three. So these three examples are absolutely fantastic. You just need to see yourself where are you going to fit in. So that's that's the main thing. And then after you just think about what sort of practice that you can fit in, you need to think about the location. So where you want to practice from? Uh, do you want to look for something near your where you live, or you're okay to commute? So location is quite important. Uh, then the third is before you start even looking for a practice, you need to make sure about your finance. You mm. need to make sure that you're financially set to buy a practice. Yeah. So you need to sit down with the with bank managers or uh, brokers uh, to find out exactly how much you can borrow uh, and what sort of practice that you should be looking at. Mm. So whichever number that that you're going to find out that that's the maximum number you can borrow, you need to look at the practice with this budget. Um, That's if you're buying a practice, uh, a running practice. Yeah. If you're opening a practice from scratch, that's a completely different story. Uh, because it, it, um, it, the way that you you think is is, is completely different. Um, mm. Again, you need to think start first by the location, right? Uh, and then speaking to bank managers about how much money you can borrow. Or sometimes, if you've got some help from your parents and savings, then you see how much you want to spend exactly. And then you need to work backwards, okay? If that's if that's how much I, I've got, this is the location I've got, uh, and I want to practice from. If it's a squad, then you need to look at mm. a property that is uh, that is suitable, and you need to get all the um, 
approvals from the council to transform it to a D1. Uh, so that's that's if you're opening wow. it from squat. Wow. Yeah, if it's a practice that's already running, then you just uh, need to look into agencies. There's loads of agencies. You just need yeah. to put your name registered in an agency. They will send you all the um, available practices uh, on a weekly basis, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it's a very complex procedure, and it's not just an investment of your money. It's also a massive investment of time and kind of um, a belief in the future that it's, it's going to be successful, I guess. Because yeah. for me, like when I was thinking, I know it's quite early for myself and Robbie to think about it, but the whole idea of being a practice manager is like, oh, yeah, you know, you get to be your own boss. You're, it's more like a business. You're going to be a lot more independent. But there's so much that comes along with it that it, that it can be quite, it sounds like it can be quite a mission, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, you need to think carefully because uh, uh, being a principal, right, mm. financially, you're worse off as an associate for a good few years. Mm. Uh, so you're not going to be financially better off uh, being a principal here. Yeah? Uh, so that's that's the first thing I, I really want to stress on. But again, mm. it pays off at the end. Uh, yeah. So you just need to persevere a bit and then you just need to be a bit... Um, you're working on your dream practice, and it will work. I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent sure. If anyone just put the effort behind it, it will definitely work. Mm. Yeah. And what are the things that you say are the most unexpected, you know, hiccups in the journey when you're buying your practice and establishing it? Right. Okay. Uh, again, I'm going to speak about from my experience because I've mm. just I didn't open a practice from scratch. I just bought a practice. The two practices I've got, mm -hmm. uh, they were already up and running. Okay. Um, so. Uh, hiccups in the middle uh, sometimes the bank would promise you a certain amount of money and then when it comes to right finalizing things they will just change the deal for any mm. reason uh, so you'll find out that the amount that you were going to borrow is not uh, is not the same and then you need to make up the money difference so that's mm. one other things are like the contracts that you just get with the because the, the this contract that you have with the seller it's quite a comprehensive one. It's it's mm -hmm. very very long contract. You need to be reading it quite carefully. Um, so it will keep on just going back and forth between solicitors. Uh, I didn't expect that at the beginning. I thought it would be quite straightforward. That's how much the practice is worth. Right? Okay, I've got the money. I'm paying it. Full stop. That's it. The practice is mine. Uh, but the amount of work that goes behind it is uh, is quite uh, is quite a lot. Uh, the second practice that we bought in 2019, it took us almost a year to complete. Mm. And uh, and I, I thought it would take us like two, three months. It, it took over around 12 months to complete. Wow. Uh, it's just because of all the paperwork. There's mm. a lot of parties involved in it. There is the uh, accountants, solicitors, CQC, uh, landlords. So there, there is a lot. And everyone... They're taking their time, so, um, uh, so so that's why. And one of the things as well, the hiccups is is the landlords. Um, mm. Make sure that you, when you're buying a practice, you've got a good landlord, yeah. uh, because there are some landlords which are, are, are a bit cheeky. So uh, <laughs> yeah, j just make that's... sure that you've got a good contract with the landlord, mm -hmm. a good length of time, uh, yeah. Yeah. because that's that's the that's one of the most important things as well. Anyway, the bank would not lend any money without just looking at the lease agreement and making sure that it is a good lease agreement. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, 
pictures. That, that's that's more or less the the hiccups. It's just the paperwork um, uh, around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the beginning, it seems like it was quite challenging. You know, when when starting when you know starting up this practice. So, um, in terms of attracting patients, you would have probably already had you know a patient list inherited from the old practice, but. How would you? How did you manage to develop your patient lists further and attract new patients? Uh, you see, the first practice, I was I was quite young. I literally, I threw myself into it. I I didn't have any experience. Uh, I thought the patients would be just coming in in, in big numbers. They would be knocking my door. Yeah. They want treatment. Uh, I would like to think that I'm a good dentist. I've got a good team. So <laughs> why not? But Actually, after um, I started, I found that no, it's it's not like that. Uh, it is. It needs a lot of work to, like what you said, just attract new patients. Uh, and the new patients are the 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 constant, just I would say, uh, blood flow to the practice. Yes, yeah. you've got your own existing patients, uh, but you would need to have good flow of new patients every month. Uh, so at the beginning, I was quite lucky because the practice that I bought uh, was quite a good practice. It was mm. it was there in, in in this area for over thirty years, oh. so it was a well known practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I was lucky in that sense. And the previous principal, I have to say, he was an excellent one. So um, everyone loved him. It is good in a way and is bad in a way as well. Uh, it is good because everyone loved him and and they they joined the practice. But uh, when the principal leaves or decreases days, people start to get worried. Yeah, uh, we used to be seeing Doctor So and So, and he's leaving or he's reduced his days. Mm. They still don't know us, and the job was to make sure that these patients will stay on. Yeah. Uh, so when you're buying a practice, you've got two missions. One is to make sure that the patients that's already in the practice will stay on, mm. and then two, attracting new patients. Um, unfortunately, along the route, you will be losing some patients. Um, some patients doesn't want to come back because the old principal has left. Mm-hmm. Um, some patients found another dentist. They moved from the area. So you need to accept that. But they will be replaced with new patients, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of things these days. And, and marketing 13 years ago when I bought the practice is different from marketing now. Okay. Uh, 13 mm-hmm. years ago marketing was mainly leaflet dropping oh, that's what I was going to say like just posters out here everywhere <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> leaflet dropping and then the maximum if you wanted to spend a bit more it will mm-hmm. be um, just Google AdWords uh, oh, and okay. we've, we've tried that one as well uh, but it was not that popular at that time I would say 13-14 years ago mm. uh, social media was not there um, yeah, so definitely. yeah Instagram, Facebook that was not there so yeah, it was mainly leaflet dropping, word of mouth, and uh, just Google. Um, yeah. uh, and local magazine as well. So we, we oh, had some local okay. magazine publications. Uh, but I have to say, leaflet dropping, local magazine publication doesn't bring you any patience. It brings mm. you very little patience, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's mainly the word of mouth that is, uh, that is quite powerful. Wow, interesting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's changed now. Now, now. now it's completely changed. It's just social media and uh, 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 online marketing. This is this is the this is the future. Mm. 
it's, it's interesting you say that because, as you mentioned, like that was more of a traditional way of marketing, which is like the leaflet dropping stuff like that. I was waiting for you to say like make a billboard, you know, but um, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> not had quite. That. we had the really? really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, saying that as well. We 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 actually when we came in, uh, yeah. we had a big uh, we we had a very very small uh, sign mm-hmm. outside the practice. So yeah. because okay. the practice is well known. The principal didn't want to have any signs. It's or just a small sign. Loki. Yeah. yeah, that was that was quite enough. Okay. So uh, when we came in, the practice won an award. It was mm-hmm. he won an award of, of the best young dentist in London, and the oh, practice wow. won an award of the practice of the year in London. So they won an award. So they were quite happy with it, and they've just made a big uh, sign, uh, and they've just put it right outside of the property. On our fence, yeah, um, and actually that big that that sign just brought a lot of patients in because that okay. actually made patients a bit comfortable that oh this is a good practice they've got a mm. good dentist good team so it's a combination of a dentist and a team that's that's a winning formula mm. uh, so when we came in there was there was good healthy number of new patients coming in uh, and that's one of the hiccups by the way if you want to mention so. One month after we came in, I found a letter from the council mm. right, <laughs> telling me to put this oh. sign down. Otherwise, I would face a big penalty. Wow. Wow. I was new in business. I didn't know. I thought, this is our property, and we're putting the sign on our property. Why do yeah. you want me to put the sign down? And they said, because you didn't have any planning permission for it. Wow. <laughs> I said, mm. okay, but it's not, a, it's not an illuminated sign. Yeah, it is just a bit of a fabric um, that we put, we hang on the. They said that that's attracted a lot of complaints from the from the neighbors. <laughs> I said, "What <laughs> did my sign do to the neighbors?" <laughs> <laughs> Very offensive. <laughs> At that point, um, oh, they sent a very strong letter saying, "If you don't put the sign down, we'll enforce it, and we'll just put this." I said, "Fine, okay. Here's the sign. We just put it down. That's it." Wow. Uh, so that's one of the things that when you open a business, you don't know about these things. So you just think it's yeah. it's your right. Just put a sign on your own practice. You're not putting it even on the on the pavement or anything. It's on your own wall. You're just putting a sign, but it, it doesn't work this way. So, um, uh, but yeah, as I said, now it's completely different. Social media marketing is 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 quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that kind of leads on to the next question, like. How do you advertise the practice to ensure there's always new patients coming in? Like nowadays, how how do you do that? Okay, as I said, I'm 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 still a bit old-fashioned with the word of mouth. Yeah. So um, I, I'm that guy that would want to have um, patients calling and asking to see me. Yeah. Um, so uh, because when the patient comes and see you, and they've been recommended to see you. They automatically they trust in you, mm. so you don't have this sort of element of oh, uh, I don't know the dentist. I'm not sure if he's a good dentist or not. If he's going to be quite honest with me or not, uh, so that, yeah. that that just leaves that. But saying that these days, marketing, social media marketing, I find marketing these days is a bit different. They don't market mm. the practice as much as they market, market the dentist. dentist. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Mm-hmm. So no one wants to know anything about the practice. Everyone wants to know about the dentist that they're going to be treating them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now 
you'll find all social media is about the dentist, about his work, about how many followers he's got, about uh, yeah. the celebrities that he's treating. Yeah. It's all photos, 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 and there's, there's nothing sort of... Um, uh, that sort of personal touch is gone. It's just like you are, you make your decision. Patients make their decisions on mm. photos. Yeah, that's um, true. So, uh, so that, that's, and I have to be honest, if you, if you're clever in doing this, you will attract a lot of patients. So if your photo qualities are quite good, your stories are quite attractive, um, you are your target audience and you know how to reach them. Uh, you will definitely be winning a lot of patients. Yeah. Uh, again, you have to be a good dentist. You don't, of course, 100%. You have to be a good dentist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's, I think that's the main thing. So we have, we've tried a bit of social media marketing. Mm-hmm. We're not into it 100%. Uh, but because my practice has, I'm almost 90%, 95% capacity working on my capacity without a lot of marketing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm quite happy. At why I am okay. So uh, if if that is going to drop to sixty seventy percent, I've got a lot of empty uh, chairs or empty books. Then I would push definitely for through. Mm. Uh, but again, as I said, our practice, our two practices are running sort of old fashioned, which is like we've got a nice okay. website, mm-hmm. and then our presence on social media is quite um, subtle. Just we just post every week or two weeks, not, okay. nothing much, and that's it. Wow. That's that's actually very refreshing to hear, because mm. um, I feel like, especially for us in dental school, we've got that as, as you mentioned that whole idea of the marketing of the dentist. So I don't really look at the practice; I just know like, oh, there's Doctor Rona, there's Doctor Simon Shard. Like, I just think of those yeah. in, before I think of, like the actual practice in a sense. Yeah. Um, and as we had we had a conversation with another dentist, another dentist as well, and he said, you know, social media is very important, but you can still run a very successful practice with. Your own web, your own method of communication, your own method of marketing. So it's it's nice to hear that there are you know other ways to implement yourself, implement yeah. yourself in the field. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah. percent. Yeah. You don't and, have to be following everyone. To be honest, it's yeah. uh, if everyone's doing social media marketing, you don't have to be. I know that it is quite a winner. It will bring you um, good, healthy number of patients. But again, yeah. it's not cheap. It's quite expensive. Yeah, and it takes time. So uh, you need to be a sort of uh, uh, doing it on a monthly basis, investing quite a lot of money in it. And again, you need to have a good um, social media marketing company working with you because at the end of the day, they're just only interested in, in they're getting paid. They're not interested in how many patients they get you. And everyone will tell you, yes, yes, we will get you this number of patients. But once you start working with them, you'll find that the numbers that they've promised is, is not nothing even close to what you're getting. Yeah, yet. very true. And see, the thing that I find really interesting as well is once you do become that practice owner, you kind of live a double life in the sense of, you know, you're be, you still have to be a very, 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 very good dentist, but you've got to be a very good businessman, businesswoman as well. So how do you kind of get that balance? How do you manage the business side of things? And on top of that, manage being a good dentist and providing the best treatment possible? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the first, I would say, two, three years is absolutely crazy. You need to be yeah. a sort of... A doing everything yourself but you need to be building a good team uh, mm. th- that's the whole point uh, around it if you don't have a good team uh, even if you're the best dentist in the world 
you, you're not going to be successful. So yeah. if you don't have a good receptionist, uh, nurse, practice manager, uh, people working on your marketing websites, things like that, so you need to have a good team. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this is the key. Uh, again, you need to be investing in your uh, skills as well mm-hmm. uh, by going to courses, having mentors, things like that. Uh, but I, I think just running a successful dental practice is, is all about the team. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's the first, first couple of years, if you manage to build up a good team, uh, and, and you need to have this sort of team spirit inside them, yeah. They are working not for you, they are working for the practice. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to make sure that this is sort of the concept, yeah. Uh, but hmm. but yeah, once it's once it's there, it should be sort of con- con- cruise control. After that, it should be it should be fine. But after you just you need to. It will be quite tough for the first year or two till you just accomplish this sort of uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another question that we wanted to ask was, in terms of the business side of things. Um, so kind of a double question here. Did you personally do any business-related qualifications before opening the practice? And the second side, the second question is: Do you find the business side interesting? Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. I, I, I literally threw myself into it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have any Fair excuse. Enough. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure what I've done was right or wrong. But that's what happened. I just literally threw myself into. It. I didn't have any mm. financial help from my parents. Uh, I didn't have any savings. Mm. Um, I was quite lucky. The the bank gave me hundred percent of the of the practice at that time. Uh, um, it was quite. It doesn't happen these days. You still have to have a bit of a deposit. But they gave me hundred uh, percent. Sort of, they just trusted in me, and they said, "Right, okay, mm. uh, we." We have seen that you can. They've seen all my uh, my, my bank accounts and uh, uh, and my business plan. It was a very poor business plan at that time, I have to say. But it just uh, it was fine with them. Uh, so uh, yeah, so uh, business qualification. I would definitely advise before running your own dental practice, just get as much information as possible. I'm not sure if there is a proper course or something to prepare dentists mm. to open their own practices uh, there are a lot of seminars that you can just go to yeah but it is not enough i've um i've i've heard of some people that do like a master's in um in business or something like that would you recommend doing that or attending like a dental course or seminar about it beforehand right okay courses about business running a business in general might help mm. But okay. uh, but but the dental business is completely different because this is the the, the word that I heard from someone I can't remember who uh, he said the problem with the dentist the difference between dentists owning a practice and anyone having a business uh, is if you have a business you are running the business okay mm. so uh, you are working on the business but the dentists they are working in the business so mm. uh, if you take yourself out. And you say, I'm not going to be one of the dentists. I'm going to have associates. And if that's the model that you want, because this is a model as well. 
if you say, right, okay, I don't want to be involved in any dental work. I might be only the principal and I will have associates running the practice. Yeah. That's the model. And by the way, that can be a successful model mm. because you are running the business while you're outside the business. You can see everything from outside. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But when you're in your room, actually, treating patients from mm. nine to five or six and uh, five days a week, you don't have any time to run the business. Uh, True. Yeah. That's why you have to rely on the team. So you have to rely on a, on a good practice manager, good marketing agency, good staff at the reception. But when you are, you're not in the room for five days a week, let's say for one day or two days a week, you've got three days to look on the business from, from outside, say, right, okay, we need to improve in this, we need to do that. Otherwise, you'll be working 24 hours. You will be finishing at 5, 6 o'clock and then going home and doing more work, working on the business side of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it would be, it's not going to be a healthy life, to be honest. Interesting. It's cool that you mentioned as well that, especially with dentistry, it's not just like, okay, there's one kind of way to do the business. So you said you can have where you're literally completely out of it with the associates, or you can be involved and build up the business while you're still practicing. So yeah. I feel like it goes a lot more deep. It goes a lot deeper than just saying, oh, I'm going to be a dentist and also I'm going to be a practice owner. Um, yeah. yeah. There, there is different models. That's why I wish there was a bit of a course that can teach young dentists what it is to be uh, a single-handed practice, a practice which has got, uh, is run by associates, mm. uh, a practice that's run by the principal and the associates, uh, a, a practice that uh, just only run by the partners, if it's like two, three yeah. partners, and that's it. So it's different types of practices. And each one has got its uh, advantage and disadvantage, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, maybe ho hopefully by the time we've graduated, someone would have had the uh, initiative to, yeah. to set one up. That would, that, would be, that would be nice. I'm sure it would be quite a successful course because a lot of dentists mm. like yourself, guys, they want to know more. Yeah. And... Um, and by the way, just don't hear the successful stories because there are other stories which dentists that didn't succeed. And I know actually some dentists, I, I know them personally. Uh, one of them opened a very nice practice in Erskort. Mm -hmm. And then after two, three years, he said, no, I can't do it anymore. He just sold it. He just found out quite early in his life, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's, quite, yeah. it's, it's quite daunting. It's, I cannot be running, um, handling staff, handling uh, patients. And I know another mm -hmm. one that bought a very, bought a very good successful practice, uh, not far away from me as well. Uh, and then after three, four years, I found out that he just sold it. He started doing his masters and and um, postgraduate studies, and he he worked in the practice as an associate as well. So yeah, th there are some stories that is not every story is a successful story. Yeah, of course. Uh, so it, it depends on your personality, what you want to do in your yeah. life as well. Well, yeah, I feel like, um, as I said, it's that dental school culture. You kind of get into the mindset of, yeah, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get into private as quickly as possible. I'm going to save up. I'm going to buy a practice. That's kind of how you, that's kind of like, I feel everyone has a very similar vision in that sense. But yeah. it's definitely not for everyone. As you said, you have to balance a load of things. And sometimes when the reality really kicks in, it's the story's not as pretty as it seems. Yeah. yeah. Um, very, uh, and very by the way, being an associate is fantastic. Of course, uh, you, you've you've got you're self-employed. You can choose how many days you want to work during the week. You mm. don't have to worry about uh, a nurse calling sick or uh, any of the staff not turning up. You don't have to worry about uh, dealing with landlords, councils, things like that. All what you do is sit in your room, see patients, 
treat them as 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 good as you can do, and that's mm. it. Just just go home and uh, and that's it. You don't have to think about it again. So, uh, right. And I just had a little, you know, quick question, just with regard because I've heard this term a lot, which is like building your super team in a sense uh, for your practice. So, yeah. how did you go about doing that? How did you really? Was it just through interviews, or is there like like how do you actually make sure that every single person you hired was was the perfect fit for the job? Faris, I'm I'm still learning till now. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still building my team till now. Of course. You see, you you will uh, you will be faced with, as I said, a lot of hiccups like that you said at the beginning. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, you will not be able to maintain the team forever. Yeah. Uh, people do change their jobs. People do move, and it's not only about the uh, their salaries or wages or hourly rates, whatever. Uh, everyone. Life is different. So I've got um, an excellent reception that I had. She just left London, so she just left the practice. Uh, I had a, a very good practice manager uh, that uh, she left because she wanted to work on a, a bigger practice. So we were four surgery practice. She went to seven surgery practice. Uh, so every time you're building a good team, some of the team can leave. But But my advice is, at any certain point, because you will not have all the team leaving you at once unless you're a terrible boss, okay? <laughs> but uh, at at every time, you need to have two or three that you're relying on. So even if one of them left, mm. you still got two, and then you, you're going to employ another one. Okay. Uh, so so that, that's the main thing. It, it, it comes with time. And as I said, it's a dynamic thing. It's, it will keep on changing. You'll be very lucky if you will be with your the same team for like 10, 15 years. Mm. I'm, I'm quite lucky. At the first practice I've got, I've got my nurse. Uh, she was just out of school and she's been with me now for 11 years. Wow. Uh, sh- she works as my nurse now. She's doing, mm. she's like a head receptionist as well. Amazing. Uh, I've had, I've got a hygienist that is even before me. So she was in the practice before even I bought it. So it's like 15, 16 years in the practice. Yeah. Uh, me and my partner has been there for 13 years. So when the patients see this sort of stability, that's uh, they're seeing the same person every time. Yeah. They're seeing the same faces. Uh, then it just it tells the patient that this is quite a stable practice. But if they see someone different every time, new receptionist, new staff, new dentist, new hygienist, then they just get a little bit annoyed. Uh, but yeah, it takes time for us. It just takes time and it's... Uh, I'll be honest, it's not 100% guaranteed that you'll be able to do it in the first year yeah. or two, but it takes time and, uh, and effort. Yeah. 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 Um, and then just a final question regarding the business side of things. If you had to give one main piece of advice to someone that was thinking of buying their own practice, what would it be? I would just say take your time. Okay. Mm. Um, just take your time, plan it properly. Uh, Running a practice is is not easy. Um, it is rewarding, but it's not easy. So uh, just just take your time, plan plan it properly. Take a lot of advice from people that have done it before, or people that's got experience. Um, sit sit with sit with a lot of dentists that's got uh, our principles. Uh, yeah. Sit with a lot of um, have a calls with with the banks to see exactly how much you can borrow. Because there's no point, and I've seen that as well, people just going and looking into practices 
they fell in love with it and they said, yes, we're just buying this. And after that, they just found out that they cannot afford it. Mm. Uh, it's it's a bit of a, as I said, it's it's, it's not good planning. But, and if you don't plan properly at the beginning, unfortunately, it's not going to go your way. So uh, that that's the most important thing is just planning. Take as much time as you can. A uh, good few months, maybe a year or two. Mm. Just plan it properly before you just start. Because once you buy a, pl- a practice, you're stuck to this practice, right? Okay. Yeah. So if you want to move or you want to change a house or you just you can't because you're just stuck to this practice. Um, so it it is a commitment. So think properly, plan it properly, and everything should work fine after that. Okay. Thank you. So um, just to to finish off now. We wanted to speak to you a bit about your um, role um, as a charity coordinator for a charity, um, Mobile Smiles. Yeah. So could you just tell us, you know, when was this charity set up and what are the main aims of the charity? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, this, is, this is the subject that gets me really excited, yeah? <laughs> uh, it's uh, the, the charity part of it. Uh, so uh, I'm... Uh, the, the the charity has got different members. I think we are six or seven, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's been established around a year ago now, or maybe a bit over a year. Uh, I, I had an idea of having this sort of uh, mobile uh, dental clinic that would go around the villages in in Egypt, um, because I over the last ten fifteen years. I've been going almost on a yearly basis, just mm. doing some dental work in in a clinic in in Upper Egypt, and I saw that the the patients coming from far away to come and see me for simple things like scaling and simple fillings and uh, surgery, just extractions and things like that. Uh, and I've, I've I've asked them, why are you seeing me in particular? I'm sure that you've got dentist in where you live. And they said, no, the the closest dentist we've got is like 40, 50 kilos away from us. Uh, so uh, so that just, I got, I had this idea. I said, why, why can't we just have a sort of a, a mobile van that goes around the villages and we can go close to these people rather than them traveling? Uh, as much as we can, that's, uh, and again, providing simple stuff like scaling, Simple fillings, extractions, things like that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I started get, gathering all the information. How can we buy this sort of uh, uh, van and transfer it to a dental clinic? Um, and I had a lot of information. And then I, I was at the point of starting to collect money mm-hmm. for it. Um, and at that point, uh, just COVID hit. Um, I had collected some money, but definitely was not enough. Um, at that point as well, I, I got to know uh, uh, John and Andrew, mm. and they have started an online um, uh, page uh, on Instagram um, for dentists. Um, I had a chat with them. Uh, they were quite excited about my idea. Uh and then they said, right, okay, I asked them if we can just join Venture because I'm I'm hopeless in social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know anything. And as I told you before we started the podcast, that I I think uh, I've got a lot of followers on Instagram. I've got 67 now. 
and I'm, nice. I'm, I'm very proud of the number. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm literally hopeless. I can't. I, I can't do mm. any posts. I I don't know anything. And I know that this is the future. If you want yeah. to reach out for people, you need to be good in social media. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they they were very very good. So we started on and uh, we started making uh, a, a big group and uh, and collecting money. Mm. And by God's grace, we've we're we're quite we're quite lucky. We just bought the the van. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and the work is uh, the work is going on. I'm not sure when it's going to be finished. I think it would be finished within the next two three months. I'm not in a real hurry to be honest, because my idea was making dentists from <clears throat> UK, Europe, America go in and work into this van in Egypt, uh, but with all the travel restrictions now no one would be able to go. So I'm just taking a bit of time and I've, I've asked them in manufacture just to take their time. Yeah. Don't rush it, yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm sure myself and Robbie can't wait to graduate so we can get right into it. Absolutely, sounds, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like an amazing initiative. And yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like one thing myself and Robbie have realized as we've talked to all dentists is charity is such a massive thing. And I yeah. feel like giving back to the community, especially you know back home in Egypt is such an amazing thing because... I'm sure we all know from experience um, the dental condition of some people in Egypt is not amazing because <laughs> um, it's, it's, it can be hard to access that that care sometimes in the villages. So it sounds absolutely fantastic. And Faris, just to say, to add on to this, you, you will find when you're doing charity, people needs are different from... So here, you're marketing about uh, smile uh, designs and mm. Hollywood smiles and whitening and things like that, cosmetics, cosmetics, cosmetics. Yeah. But you find that there is, in another part of the world, all what they want is to have a small filling or they've got a tooth that needs to be taken out. That's yeah. it. Uh, they're not looking for a Hollywood smile. They're not looking for a mouthful of veneers or whitening or things like that. Uh, and you just, it just makes you think, yeah, I can help them. It's a filling or extraction that would take literally 10, 15 minutes of my time uh, or a, yeah. a clean, a scale that would possibly help the teeth to live longer. And it would literally take 10, 15 minutes of my time. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it just made me think, yeah, it, it gets you out of this sort of bubble of just marketing yeah. and uh, and uh, cosmetics and implants and nice fillings and whatever. Just a simple stuff. Amazing. Honestly, it's lovely and refreshing to hear that, you know, having someone that has done, made such, such a successful business and you know, has that mindset and still is able to set up this charity and amazing, you know, event yeah. um, in, in, side by side is, is fantastic. And, you know, we're, we're really happy that we've had you I'm, on the I'm, podcast I'm today. Just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm part of the charity. I didn't set up, I was just part of okay, it. Okay. I'm, I'm the smallest well, part, actually. They're doing <laughs> most of the work uh, and I'm just literally uh, helping. From that I'm, I'm just literally taking the smallest part. But that's we're, we're we're happy um that we got to talk about this initiative here and just kind of to wrap up the podcast we'd love to ask you what is one tip you'd give to any aspiring dental applicants at the moment uh to an applicant to 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 be a dentist to draw a dentist yeah yeah so like you know yeah. 16 17 yeah again, again you need to make sure because dentistry is one of these professions you either love it or hate it so yeah. It would be quite a shame that you would go in and study for like five, six years, and then after that say, right, no, this is not the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, so again, as much as possible, I know it's quite difficult now, uh, 
just go for a work experience at a dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have a look and have a feel how it uh, feels like being a dentist um, in surgery and as yeah. well at hospital because uh, you can still be a specialist at hospital. Um, see if that's the sort of career that you want to be in for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's, it's not going to be nice. And, and I've, se- I've seen that as well. I've seen mm-hmm. dentists that have been stuck doing dentistry because that's the main source of income. Yeah. They don't yeah. like it, but uh, they, don't, they can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally, they were just telling me, I'm just working to pay my bills. That's it. Uh, Sad. So you don't want to be in his shoes, right? Okay, you just want to make sure that when you're doing something, you're doing it while you're happy. Uh, you've got to be doing it for the rest of right. your life. So again, take your time. Uh, mm-hmm. while you're doing your GCSEs and A-levels, mm-hmm. uh, take your time, think a lot, ask a lot of people, ask dental students like yourself because you can just give them more mm-hmm. about uh, how does it feel being a dental student, what sort of things that you will be studying, and yeah. then ask dentist or just go for uh, shadowing a dentist as a work experience in the dental practice as well. Uh, right. And yeah, I think um, dentistry is such a great job and it's just a great career. Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, it, it needs someone that really loves it. Yeah, right. agreed. All right, well, thank you, Dr. Rafiq. It was a pleasure having you on today. Thank you very much, guys. That, that's, uh, thank you. Thank you really very much, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the You Know the Draw podcast. Make sure to check out Dr. Rafiq's work with the Mobile Smiles charity on www.copticdentalsociety.com and also over on Instagram at Coptic Dentistry. Whilst you're already on Instagram, you can check out his professional page at rafiq.hebeish. And to find out more about dentistry, the application process, and stay up to date with the podcast, make sure you follow at You Know The Drill Podcast on Instagram and at Faris Den on YouTube for all your dental needs.